Good morning and welcome. We're about to study the Tanya portion for the first day of Adar 1, second day of Rosh Chodesh Adar 1, chapter 26 in the book we use here, 111, 112. This chapter is the beginning of a whole new series of chapters. A whole new section of Tanya begins. Up to now, the Alter Rebbe has been dealing with Benini, Tzaddik, Rosha, trials and tribulations, temptation, engaging, and serving, and so on. Because people would go visit the Alter Rebbe, and they would inquire of him, How do I serve God? Tell me, answer my questions. But the assumption was that everybody was fully engaged in the service of Hashem. And we must bear in mind that the Alter Rebbe's disciples were incredible Torah scholars, very devoted people, very dedicated, very engaged people. However, now comes a series of about eight or so chapters, with chapter 32 coming in the middle, which is a standalone chapter on love of one's fellow Jew. But beginning with chapter 26, we begin a series of chapters. What if someone is not functioning as a human being should function? What if somebody has a challenge? What if somebody is not uplifted? You know, it's interesting that by, the, by divine providence, this chapter in this setting comes out the first day of Adar. Adar is the month of joy. What if someone is the opposite of joyous? What if someone is downtrodden? What if someone is sad? What if someone is depressed? Says the Alter Rebbe, this is not good. Sadness and depression is not a gateway to serve Hashem. Joy is a gateway to serve Hashem. And the Alter Rebbe will go chapter after chapter explaining how to remove depression, how to escape depression, how to beat depression. And before we begin, I want to make a disclaimer that, you know, we live in a world of medication, we live in a world of depression. I want to make a disclaimer. This is not to suggest that people should throw away their anti-depression pills and tell their psychiatrists to go uh, to Palm Springs and retire. That's not what this is about. If somebody is challenged, God forbid, with chemical depression, that's a whole different ballgame. The Alter Rebbe was talking about attitude depression, not chas v'sholem, chemical depression. So we're talking about something that can be cured by attitude, and you'd be surprised what can be cured by attitude, but I'm not suggesting in any way, shape, or form that people should throw away uh, their Prozac. That's not what this is about. Pass the Prozac, please. Okay, chapter 26. Bram, however, we must proclaim a very cardinal principle, a very important rule in life, in the service of Hashem. We have to believe in ourselves. We have to have a positive attitude. I think I can, I think I can, I know I can. The little engine that could. Just as being victorious. 
to be victorious over some material quest. Kagain, for example, everybody knows wrestling. two people, they were wrestling with one another. A wrestling match, a good old-fashioned wrestling match. What is the goal of a wrestling match? To knock the other guy down. So mood is very important. If one of the two wrestlers feels depressed and feels down, feels heavy, he will be beaten easily, and he'll fall. Even if he's stronger than his opponent. Because it's all about psyching up attitude. I'm going to win. I'm a winner. That's why Hasidus says, when we go out to war, we go out to war with a victory march. Napoleon's march, which we sing after Yom Kippur. What are you singing for? What kind of victory march? The war didn't start yet. <laughs> you sing a victory march if you win on the way back. No. In order to win, you have to be a winner now. We have to wake up every morning and know that I am a winner. I'm going to have a great day, and I'm going to be victorious over all my internal enemies, all the naysayers within me. You can't, you're not good enough, and all that stuff. So attitude is all about it. Is what it's all about? Kochamamish, exactly so. In the war with the evil inclination, <clears throat> in the war with our own inclination, it's impossible to be victorious over one's evil inclination. When one is down, depressed, and heavy. You know, you walk around with a ball and chain. When you're walking around with a ball and chain, you're not going to be a winner. Unless you use the ball to hit the guy over the head. But you walk around with a boy on the chain, you're going to be a loser. You've got to be light. You've got to be positive. These negative feelings flow from depression. And the closeness, so to speak, of the heart, heavy heart. Dull heart. Even like a stone, kiim. The prescription for victory is bizrizus with alacrity. Hustle, yossel, move a muscle. Let's go. Hanim shochis or hanim shechis, which flows misimcha from joy upsichas halev and the opening of the heart with tarosa in its purity mikol nidnu daga vatsubaylam from any worry and concern in the world. You know, like what me worry. Was that Alfred E. Newman, right? So, one's attitude has to be positive. Ivdu es Hashem b'simcha. Serve God with joy. Joy. And by the way, as we talk in the other theme, it doesn't mean if wonderful things happen to me, then I'll be joyous. No. It means I'll be joyous and wonderful things will happen to me. Now the question is, what about the teaching, that which is written, 
By Shlomo HaMelech, Bechal Etzev Yemeser, there's an advantage to every spell of sadness. So Shlomo HaMelech, wisest of all men, seems to say, be saying that sadness could be a good thing. No. Pirish, this means that every cloud has a silver lining. A cloud is not good. But if you have a cloud already, it has a silver lining. Take something good out of it. In the other Rabbi Miloshin from this language, I'm sorry, this was part of the question. The answer is, in the other Rabbi Miloshin Zev, from this verbiage, it appears to teach us that sadness in and of itself, depression in and of itself, has no advantage. Rock, however, that from this negative state, there will also come an advantage. Behind it, what's the advantage? What's good about sadness? What's good about it is that if you drive it properly, it will be followed by joy. Behind it, is the true joy. Ba'ashem and Lokov in God his God. Habo, which follows, Achar after the sadness of Amiti. And here the Alter Rebbe tells us there are set times for sadness. We should not be happy-go-lucky. We should not be what-me-worry. We should be very serious people. And the Alter Rebbe will outline the following, and let me introduce it that the first definition to being a responsible servant of Hashem is to live with an accounting. We have to know what's coming and what's going. It's like somebody is in business and they're so busy serving their customers, they have no idea if they're losing money or they're making money. You know, if you serve a billion hamburgers, but you lose money on every hamburger, you lose a lot of money. So occasionally... You have to close down the store, and you have to do an uh, inventory. Closed for inventory. These days they don't do it because inventory is automatic on computer, I think. Unless your computer closes for inventory. That happens to me too, that, you know, a special kind of computer. So also, a Jew in his service to Hashem has to do inventory. When do we do inventory? Well periodically. Once a year, for 30 days, we do inventory. And that is Elul, a month before Rosh Hashanah. Then we enter into the 10 days from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. That's on an annual basis. That's our big annual inventory. It says when the month of Elul comes, you work a little less, and you do spiritual stuff a little more. On a monthly basis, there's also an inventory. The day before Rosh Chodesh, Erev Rosh Chodesh, the day before Rosh Chodesh is called Yom Kippur Katan, the miniature Yom Kippur. It's a time for spiritual stock taking, inventory. Some people would fast. On a weekly basis, the day before Shabbat, Thursday night, is a time for spiritual inventory. That's why in many yeshivas, they have extra learning on Thursday night, a fabrengin on Thursday night, Thursday night is the weekly inventory. On a daily inventory, Kriyas Shema Sha'alamita, the nighttime Shema, before we go to bed. That's inventory for the day. But the rest of the time, we have to be out getting customers. The rest of the time, we have to be serving Hashem with joy. 
The times for inventory, those are the times for inventory. At night, before you go to sleep, you should think about your day. Did I have a good day? Did I have a lousy day? What can I do tomorrow to make it better? And the same goes for the week and the month and the year. But other than that, we have to be engaged in serving Hashem with joy. Now let's look inside. Le'itim is a A person has to have set times. Allah to think about one's iniquities, one's sins. Bimar with the bitterness of soul. Vileib nishbar, a broken heart. Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Kotsk, the great Kotsk Rebbe, who was known for his beautiful, profound sayings, is known to have said, there is nothing more complete and whole, W-H-O-L-E, than a broken heart. You want to be complete and whole? Have a broken heart. The broken heart is humility. It brings us close to Hashem. Arrogance is the opposite of that. Egocentric is the opposite of that. Through the broken heart, there becomes broken. What becomes broken? Ruach the spirit of impurity. on the other side. And the iron curtain. There's an iron curtain of impurity. Hamapsekes, which separates Beino between him, the Abiv Shabashamayim and his father in heaven. Because that's what sin brings about. As it says in Zohar, Aposik, upon the verse, Ruach, Nishbara, a broken spirit, Lev, Nishbar, a broken heart. I want to just point out that the Alter Rebbe will be quoting, as he just did, from chapter 51 in Tehillim. Chapter 51 in Tehillim is the chapter of Tshuva, is the chapter of repentance. That's the chapter which King David composed for his own repentance. And he became a great tzaddik, having killed, having slayed, having slew, having killed his own Yetzirah, it says. Libi, cholol, bekirbi, ke'en lo Yetzirah, sheharoge betainis. David became one of the greatest tzaddikim ever. Chapter 51, which is the chapter where in many Sidurim we recite this every night when we say Shema, this is the chapter of spiritual stock-taking. What does it say in that chapter? After the broken heart, Hashiva li sason yishecha, return to me the joy of your salvation, veruach nediva, and your giving spirit, after spiritual stock-taking, after repentance, comes joy and that's the litmus test. Zehu that's the simple reason, the Tikkun Arizal, why the Arizal introduced, Lamar, that one should say, Mizmurzeh, this chapter 51, Achar Tikkun Chatzos, after midnight lamentations. There was a time when a Jew would go to bed early. I guess he didn't get to, to watch the late show or the, or the, or the 11 o'clock news. You go to bed early, wake up at midnight, do the midnight lamentations, and then study, and then prepare for morning service, and then have the morning service, eat a little something, and then take a nap, and then go to work. But that's why chapter 51 comes into this order of events. made in order that after the midnight lamentations, which is a time for repentance and sadness, in order that one can now study the simcha amitis with the true joy, Hashem and Hashem. Habo, which follows, achara otsev, after the sadness. Sheyesh simcha zu, yisrein. So that the sadness, if it's followed by joy, has an advantage. 
like the advantage of light, that comes out of darkness. When do you appreciate a little light? When you're in a pitch dark setting. When you're in a dark basement and you're, 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 you're panicking because it's pitch black. You say, oh, I have a cell phone. You take out your cell phone and it gives off light. You say, wow, I never knew a cell phone gives off so much light. That's when you appreciate the light of a cell phone. The light of a tiny flashlight, the light of a tiny match. The advantage of light out of darkness. As it says in Zohar, I'll pause upon the verse. I saw that there was an advantage to wisdom over folly, like the advantage of light over darkness. By the way, every Child, every, excuse the expression, moron knows that there's an advantage of wisdom over folly. What's the benefit of King Solomon's analogy? I saw that there is an advantage to wisdom over folly like there is to light over darkness. It's a very important lesson King Solomon is teaching us. A lot of people spend their lives sweeping darkness. I'll tell you a secret. You can sweep all day and all night you don't sweep away darkness with a broom. How do you get rid of darkness? Me'at or doche harbei A tiny little bit of light automatically dispels a lot of darkness. All you need is to light a match. All you need is to shine a light. I saw, says King Solomon, that there is an advantage to light over darkness just like there is. I'm sorry, I saw that, says King Solomon, that there's an advantage to wisdom over folly, just like there is to light over darkness. How do you get rid of folly? Don't sweep the folly. Don't engage the folly. You know, some people spend their lives. I'm not telling you not to go to your psychiatrist. Everybody needs to make a living. But some people spend their lives analyzing all the folly. Instead of engaging in the wisdom, a little bit of wisdom dispels so much folly. Do a mitzvah. Study Torah. Engage the positive. It will dispel the folly just like light dispels dark darkness. How? I'll use the Yiddish word. Automatish. <laughs> Automatically. Ayin Shom. Look there. V'day Maven. It's sufficient for the one who understands. There's a complete verse which the Torah tells us in the section of Tolchecha, the curses. Where it says the terrible things that will befall the Jewish people if they veer away from Torah and mitzvahs. There's an interesting verse. It's verse it says, Why did this happen to you? Because you didn't serve God with joy when you had everything. Because when you had everything and things were wonderful, you were miserable. When things are wonderful, we should be ecstatic, exuberant. We should be exuding irrational exuberance, to quote Greenspan. And everyone knows, the meaning, the interpretation of the Arizal, that the sin was not that we didn't engage in Torah and mitzvahs. Let's say we did. The sin was that we did it out of misery when we should have been doing it out of exuberance. You want to serve God? 
First and foremost, you've got to be joyous, except for the set times that I reviewed earlier. Part two, Vihine, so what's the solution? What's the prescription? What's the good advice? To clear and purify our hearts from any worries. There are human worries, worldly worries. We know that there are three basic fundamental needs that every human being has. If we don't have these three needs, we're in trouble. Now, if truth be told, until Mashiach comes, nobody will have all of these three needs to perfection all the time. It's impossible. Occasionally, if it happens, we're the luckiest people in the world. What are these three needs? These three needs are children. We need to first and foremost be blessed with children. And then the children have to be good children. And they have to give you joy. And then chaya, health. We and our loved ones have to be blessed with good health. And everyone who needs good health, may they have good health. Everyone who needs children, may they have children. And nachas from children. Good health means physical health, emotional health, mental health, spiritual health. There's all kinds of health. And then the least important of all these three blessings, my mother should live and be well says. She's a wise woman. Any problem that can be solved by money is not really a problem. It's the problems that can't be solved by money that are really problems. But when you really don't have the money and you need it, boy, is it a problem. So the last blessing is umizene, sustenance. Every human being has three needs. Boni, children and all the blessings associated with children. Chaya, health and all the blessings associated with health. Umizene and sustenance. And all the blessings associated with sustenance. What if somebody is challenged in one or two or God forbid all of these? Mudazes, this is well known, to all. Maimurazal, the teaching of our sages. That even... When we are temporarily challenged, we must say, Baruch Hashem, thank God. Just as we have to say Baruch Hashem for good things, we also have to say Baruch Hashem for not such good things. When a person, God forbid, loses somebody close to them, what is the first thing they say? Baruch Dayan Ha'emet. Baruch Dayan Emet. Blessed be the true judge. We say Baruch Hashem for a terrible thing because we have to bless and thank Hashem for everything. I, I love to tell the story, which I heard from my teacher. That there was a great uh, Talmudist many years ago who always taught his students, just like you have to say thank you to Hashem. When good things are happening, you have to say thank you to Hashem when not such good things are happening. Anyway, Times were tough, the economy was tough, and uh, the rabbi, he had one cow, and that's how he made a living. And one day the cow died. So now he was wiped out. So his students come to him and say, Rabbi, is it true that we have to thank God for good things? For not good things, just like we thank God for good things? The rabbi says, I'll say, Shetan Gemara, it says in the Talmud, I, I, of course. So they say, Rabbi, we have some very bad news for you. But we want you to thank God. You know, your cow, from which you make your entire living, it died. 
We're sorry. The rabbi got very sad. Morning. Very sad. And they say, Rabbi, you yourself have been preaching to us for years that the Talmud says, just as you have to thank God for good, you have to thank God when it's not good. Says the rabbi, Mitamol Suddenly I don't understand this section of Talmud. It's very nice when you study abstract teachings in the Talmud. It's another thing when you have to implement them. But our sages say, the Gemara explains, we have to accept everything Hashem does with joy. Like we accept a revealed joy. Because this has to be our philosophy in life. This is also for the good. How it's for the good, we can't figure out. This is the one cow that sustained the rabbi. How is it for the good? We don't know. But it must be for the good. However, it's not revealed good. Because there is a type of good that's not revealed. There's a type of good that comes from a hidden and concealed world. It doesn't look good. This concealed world is higher than the revealed world. Shehu Vovke, which represent the two last letters of Hashem's name. The Yud and the He represent the revealed good. The Vov and the He represent the concealed good. Mishem Avaya Baruchu. Va'alma Diskasya Hu Yud He. I'm sorry, I think I said that wrong. Alma Disgalya, the revealed world, is Vov He. Yud He is the concealed world. So I corrected myself. That, this is the meaning, fortunate is the man who will be afflicted by Yudhe, the concealed good. Therefore, although we should never seek difficulties, when we experience them, our challenge is to receive them, to accept them with joy. It is for this reason that our sages have taught those who can be joyous even in their affliction. Regarding them, the verse says, Those who love him, like the sun comes out in its gvura and its full strength. Full strength is, is difficult to tolerate. Because the joy is, from his love, Kirvas Hashem, the fact that Hashem brings us close to him. Yeser Mikol Chaya Elam Hazem, more than all of the life in this world could exceed, as it says, Kitev Chazdecha Mechaim, your kindness is better than life. Just to, to pause for a second, there's an interesting teaching. It is, it is commonplace when we want to wish someone a happy and a healthy new year, we say, Lishana Tova Umesuka. May you have a good and a sweet year. If it's good, it's sweet. No. Everything is good. Our blessing is it should be sweet in a revealed way. We don't want to have the hidden good. We want to have the sweetness. But when somebody has hidden good, he has two choices. And this is the profound message of the Alter Rebbe here. One choice is to become a victim. And to say, poor me. And to become dysfunctional. As many people do. 
Something happens to them, the slightest discomfort, they become a victim. They become dysfunctional. And they feel sorry for themselves. And that's the beginning of the end. That's destructive. The other approach is to say, Baruch Hashem, if this is what God gave me, I don't understand it, I don't want it, I'm going to do everything I can to get rid of it, but Baruch Hashem for this too, I'm going to do the very best I can. And I'm going to try and help people around me. Who is the model for this? Yosef HaTzadik, the great Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his own brothers at 17 years old, and then thrown into prison by a woman that he did nothing to, and languished there for 10 years, and forgotten by the butler and baker, and finally became the viceroy over Egypt. Because he smiled even in the most difficult moments. So, God forbid, when we have challenges, that too must be received with joy. So, we need to tell ourselves that sometimes the challenge represents the same level, if not greater, of closeness to Hashem. The kirvas Hashem, the closeness of Hashem, Hibiyasar says, is at a greater level, a greater advantage, encates infinitely, because it comes from this hidden world. Kishom, because their Cheb is the greater strength. V'yeshev b'seyserelion in the hidden. Yalkein, and therefore, Zeicha, these people merit. Let's say, Sashem is b'gurosay. Lo'asid lovey, when Mashiach comes, that the sun will come out in its full strength. Sh'yetziyas chama minarteka, where the sun comes out of its cover, so to speak. Sh'yemechusa be'be'lam hazeh, in this world it's covered. Lo'asid, when Mashiach comes, Tizgala, it's going to be revealed. Mikisuya, from its covering. Then the hidden world will be revealed. And it will shine forth and illuminate with a tremendous revelation to all those who seek refuge in it. In this world. And look for shade in its protective shade. The shade of wisdom which is shade, not a visible good, and this is enough of an explanation. The point is that we always have to be focused on the good, and we have to realize that this too is good. There's a goodness even in something that doesn't appear to be good. Sometimes we see it right away, sometimes we don't see it until Mashiach comes. So therefore, challenges should not place us into depression because depression is counterproductive. Challenges should make us feel closer to Hashem. We should do everything we can to overcome the challenges and to realize that everything that comes down from Hashem is good. Hopefully we see the good in a revealed way today. There's the, the famous story about Gam. Reb Nochem, who was Rabbi Akiva's teacher, who always said, this is also for the good. Reb Nochem was sent by the Jewish community to the king to give the king a, a chest of silver and gold and diamonds and, and precious stones. I guess they needed something from the king. King should not destroy the Jewish community. Reb Nochem comes to a motel on the way, 
a bunch of bad guys there, and in a very surreptitious, underhanded way, they find this chest and replace it with worthless stones and pebbles. Reb Nochem comes and sand, they load it with grains of sand so it should be heavy. Reb Nochem comes to the king and says, we brought you a gift on behalf of the Jewish community, and they open it up, expecting to find treasures, and they find sand and rocks and stones. So the king says, let's kill him. What a disrespect. There was a, 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 an advisor to the king who it is said was a great uh, angel who said, uh, the Jewish people are not stupid. If they're going to send you this gift, this must be the magical sand that our patriarch Abraham used against his enemy. Against his enemies, he threw the sand and they became missiles. So the king says, well, let's take it out to the front lines and try it. And in fact, that's exactly what happened. So he says, oh, gold and silver and precious stones, I have enough. But this is a uh, secret weapon. And he filled the chest with gold and silver and diamonds and, and rubies. On the way back, these guys are surprised to see him. They figured he'd be dead by now. They said, what happened? He says, oh, the king loved that. I don't know where you got that sand from, but the king loved it. Bring him a truckload. And they brought him a truckload. He took it to the, to, to the front lines. It didn't work, and the king killed him. But this is Reb Nochem Ish Gamzu. Even this terrible story he felt was for the good. His faith caused a miracle to take place. So we have to always be connected to Hashem with supernatural faith, even in bad times. Part three, Achatz was however sadness. Mimiladishmaya, spiritual sadness. When we feel unworthy, we need to search for solutions within our soul. We need to get rid of it. Surely, during the service of Hashem. During the service of Hashem is never a time to feel sad for our spiritual state. During the service of Hashem, we have to serve God with joy. Remember, we talked about special set times for soul-searching. Even a businessman should never permit bad feelings to overwhelm him during business. Imagine you're going to a doctor. Imagine you're going to a lawyer. Imagine you're sitting before an accountant, a financial advisor, and you're trying to get your medical, legal, or accounting opinion, or financial advice, and the guy's crying. You say, what are you crying about? Oh, I'm so unworthy. Why don't you be unworthy on your own time? I'm paying you now. <laughs> Give me the, be my doctor, be my lawyer. Not to focus on your work is, is terrible. Meaning that during work hours, that's obviously not the time for spiritual stock taking. And if we are doing spiritual stock taking during our work hours, it comes from the negative within us. It comes from the evil inclination. It's not a godly experience. How's it go? They, uh, people, uh, they think about the stock market while they're praying, and they pray while they're playing the stock market. That's kind of backwards. Shahu tachbulas hayetzer. These are the machinations of the evil inclination. Why would the evil inclination cause a person to feel sad, about their spiritual shortcomings during work. Of course, when a person feels unworthy enough 
They're going to go out and sin. Kaneda, as we know, that's human nature. Human nature is when you beat up upon yourself, you become depressed. And when you become depressed, you engage in sin. Shimlei came because if it doesn't come from the evil inclination, this can't be a true sadness rooted in the love of Hashem. A yerosi, a rooted in the fear of Hashem. Bem in the middle of business. It's inappropriate. It can't come from the good side. It must come from the bad side. I'm going to talk later, but let me just pause for a minute and point out something very important. We learned earlier in chapter 51 that the litmus test is if your sadness is real, the litmus test is it's followed by joy. If it's not followed by joy, then it's not sadness, it's depression. And soon we're going to differentiate between sadness, which is a good thing sometimes, and depression, which is never a good thing. How can we distinguish? How do we know the difference between sadness, which could be a good thing when it's appropriate? For example, somebody is mourning. They're sitting shiva. They have to be sad. Someone had a tremendous downfall. They sinned. They're repenting. They have to be sad. Sadness is appropriate during spiritual stock-taking. What's the litmus test? The litmus test is when you finish your spiritual stock-taking, when you finish your sadness, when you finish your shiva, can you go out and serve God with joy? Because if we can't do that, then it's not sadness. That is depression. I like to tell the difference between somebody wakes up one morning and, and decides, you know, enough is enough. I, I've really fallen off the wagon. I've got to watch my diet. I've gained so much weight, it's terrible. Ah, I'll never amount to anything. I'm so sad. I'm so overweight. I'm hopeless. And they go into a very negative state. So what do they do as a result of that negative state? They get in the car. They go to a 24-hour bakery. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. They buy a dozen donuts, a baker's dozen, that's 13, and they eat them in the car. Now I feel better. That's depression. What's sadness? I've fallen off the wagon. I'm not watching my weight properly. I've got to get back to dieting. I've got to get back to exercise. And you, you get into the car and you, you, you register with the... Weight Watchers or whatever you're involved in, Overeaters Anonymous, that's sadness. Because it's followed by positive action, which leads to joy. The litmus test is what follows. If good follows, it was sadness. If bad follows, it was depression. And again, again, I believe it's Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Kotsk, the great Kotsk Rebbe, who said the time for eating is when you're young, because as you get older, you have to eat less and less. The time for sleeping, he says, is in the grave. Plenty of time to sleep in the grave. The time for depression is never. Depression is never appropriate. Back to the text. Whether this sadness overcame him during service of God as he was studying Torah, or praying, or this sadness overcame him not at the time of service of Hashem. Yosim Eli, what he has to 
set to heart is he has to tell himself, Ki ein hazman this is not the right time for true sadness. Even for concerns involving serious transgressions. <clears throat> it's just not the right time. Now is the time to focus on your prayers. Now is the time to focus on your Torah study. Now is the time to focus on your clients. Now is the time to focus on the guy who walked into the store and make the sale. What about spiritual stock taking? Is that unimportant? No, it's very important. We need special set times, appropriate times, to focus calmly, to concentrate, to meditate, to contemplate, the greatness of Hashem against whom we sin. Today, in order that, through this meditation and contemplation, his heart should be truly broken. With a true bitterness. Bitterness is good. If you do bitter things, you've got to be bitter. As these times are explained elsewhere, and I reviewed all these times. However, there it was explained, Gamkin as well. Right after those set times, when the heart is broken, he must completely and totally remove the sadness from his heart. And he must believe them when he with complete faith. Ki Hashem that God removed his sin. And God has an abundant capacity to forgive. This represents the true joy by Hashem in Hashem. Which follows after the sadness. Can his boil el as we explained earlier? <sighs> Hope everybody's happy. The end of to, of this chapter of Tanya.